Think of a time when you experienced a conversation that left you with a new perspective or perhaps an inquiry, or you might have felt that something has shifted in you after that conversation. Maybe it helped you gain a new level of clarity or moved you to take action. That was a coaching conversation. Hello and welcome to The Coaching Conversation. This is your host, Salah Alaydi. I am thrilled to have with me today, Tanisha Parrish. Tanisha is the Director of Coach Development at BetterUp. She is also the founder of Life Under Innovation, where she uh, does life coaching and career coaching and business strategy. She also has an MBA from Stanford University, Graduate School of Business, and a bachelor's degree in organizational change from Northwestern. Uh, Tanisha, welcome. Hi, good morning. How are you? Good. I'm glad to have you on this uh, podcast. Yeah. it's always interesting. I um, I hear bios and I'm like, that's the paper. Let me tell you about the person, right? The, the paper uh, bio is always very interesting uh, to lead with. Though. We're very yeah. happy to uh, to be here talking with you and, and sharing some things with the listeners. Yeah, that's a good segue to what I usually ask in the beginning, just to start the conversation. If you want to say more about yourself, your journey, how it unfolded, how you get to where you are today, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, so it, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I won't go back to childbirth, but uh, <laughs> I've been doing a lot of reflecting lately on kind of key moments in my life that, you know, makes me go back to like that there's a Steve Jobs, Stanford commencement speech where he talks about you can only connect the dots by looking backwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I've been reflecting a lot on that. But really, I mean, my story from a professional standpoint is I feel like I've checked all the, the right boxes, <laughs> but I don't know that that's led me to true fulfillment. And so that's really been my personal journey. So I've always known in some capacity that I wanted to go into business. And I think about where that came from, because I know it wasn't just innate in me. But one of the things I always talk about is important in um, even raising my children and other children is exposure. Mm. And so in high school, I had a counselor who saw something in me and I, I did pretty well academically. And she gave me an application to apply to a program called LEAD, which brought minorities to business schools for a summer just to expose them to experience the concept, business school, corporations, etc. And that experience, I still remember to this day. I was a junior year, junior in high school met some amazing people, but that was really the first time that I had been exposed to this concept of business, right? Uh, And so really my professional journey has kind of followed that path. So I started off in management consulting. I chose that path because I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And consulting is one of those things where you can get a taste for almost anything, um, but you learn a lot because you're young and you're put in front of very senior leaders who have experience and you have to learn very quickly, speak credibly um, and add value. So that has primarily been this like primary career path that I followed of consulting. And then I've worked for a couple different companies and then most recently better up. And I can talk about my journey to better up, but really there's been a parallel path where I've identified, as I mentioned before, these peak moments that truly told me who I was and what I was supposed to be contributing to the world. Yeah. So um, one of those key moments was in business school. And I can share a little bit more about this story. We probably could talk for hours about it. But there, there was a, um, a course at Stanford called Touchy Feely. So the real course name is Interpersonal Dynamics, but we call it Touchy Feely. And there were, you have about 12 people. It's kind of like a lab experience. 12 people, two facilitators. 
and there's no agenda. And so the purpose of the meeting is just to talk about what impact do you have on someone else? And so you would start the meeting and for instance, you, you know, I would say, so Salah, when I first met you, you were, you came across as kind of dismissive and arrogant and da da da. That's not true guys. Um, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and, and I wasn't really sure what to think of, of it. And you probably would be very confused and then you would start asking questions and I would share more and it would, it leads to this very like interesting, um, kind of conversation and awareness about how you come across. So long story short, this course, there's one um, particular activity where you have to line yourselves up in order of influence. So the facilitator has no role in it. You have to do it. So imagine like how weird that is to put yourself in this line. Like, do I go to the front? Do I go to the back? And so I kind of went to like the fourth or fifth spot and classmates kept moving me up. Right. And I ended up in like the number two spot and I was kind of blown away because for me, this class was so natural. Like I was, I was kind of quasi facilitating, but I had this just curiosity that I found that other people didn't have. So I could read body language. And when people would disclose certain things, I would just ask one probing question that would open up the floodgates, whether it was excitement, tears, emotion and people were always like how like how did you know there was more to it so long story short that was a a big milestone that actually confirmed my it was the first time that I confirmed my desire and um, the feeling of being really good at something and having that be confirmed by other people Uh, and so whatever people were like you know what whatever you do you need to do this you need to do something like this Mm -hmm. and so the path since then has been what is that this and so Along the line, I've discovered coaching and have gotten trained and now actually work for an organization that delivers coaching services. So yeah. that's the maybe long story short, but uh, yeah. summary of my experience. Yeah, there is a lot to unpack uh, yeah. here, a lot of places to go. You're talking about Steve Jobs' commencement speech in Stanford back in 2005 and it connecting the dots. What dots have become more clear to you as you land where you where you are today? The, the biggest question I am really thinking about is how do I expand my impact? And it's actually less about the impact. How do I bring more of the strength and the gift of leadership, of opening up possibilities mm-hmm. to the world? And when I look backwards, I wonder, this is this is a very real-time question I'm struggling with. Is this something that I can actually do within an organization and reach what I see as like the big vision? Or does that look like be doing something, I don't know if it's independently or what. So when I look back, the dots that really jump out are, like I said, the milestones when it's um, me working with a small group of people or me um, facilitating, you know, in college, I majored in organizational change. And I found that major after going to a couple econ classes and, you know, sitting through those, we didn't have an undergraduate business school and realizing like, there's no way I'm going to major in something like econ. If I have to spend half of my, my, you know, my coursework in a, in a major, it's definitely not going to be econ. So thinking about like org change, when you bring together people and systems and psychology, those are all things that like there are just so many moments that I look back on and saying, yes, this, this meaning coaching, this meaning leadership development, personal development is definitely something that 
I feel like I've been called to do. And so right now I'm really thinking about what is the more? What does it look like? And I I coach people, um, particularly women, on this concept of shifting from success to significance. And really that's just because I'm on this journey to really redefine what success looks like. And so today it's been, and this is very clear looking back, it's been going, you know, going to a Stanford business school. And, you know, I was very intentional about why I did that. And it definitely was not driven just by the Stanford name, but seeking a title or seeking a promotion versus, and all of those things are externally driven, right? Like there's money. (laughs) Um, And I, I feel like right now in society, we're so big on all the external, whether it's social media and followers or money. And, but what I see in myself and what I see in the women that I coach is this desire this hunger to really focus on fulfillment, purpose, significance, and throw all of the expectations that either your parents put on you or your friends as you're looking around. All those traditional norms, I really see people challenging right now. And what I'll also say is, I know that I'm speaking from a place of privilege. And when I look back at most of my my friends and my peers, our generation is kind of the first generation to be able to say, all right, let's make a choice. Like, oh, I really don't want to do this or I'm going to go to explore this. My parents and many of my friends' parents, like, their focus was education. They, Whatever sacrifice they had to make, it was for us to, you know, get strong education. Now that has paid off and now we have the liberty to, you know, to start to say, oh, you know, what, what do I want to do? My parents didn't necessarily have that choice. Um, and, you know, whether it's our parents, our grandparents, most people couldn't choose. They worked whatever, you know, whatever they did for 30, 40 years, or they made huge sacrifices just for the sake of safety and, you know, prosperity and education for their own kids. So yeah, there, there's this big shift for me around now that I have this ability or this privilege, what am I going to do with it? Yeah, I love this theme of, uh, you know, from success to uh, significance. And uh, because everyone defines success based on external factors, as you said, and and mostly perhaps it's driven by the environment or parents or friends, uh, society, like there's a lot of external factors that define success for us. And we think that we're choosing something. And at the same time, we're not really choosing. We, it's almost like it was chosen for us. So how have you been able to find clarity around your choices or help others find this clarity around their choices? It, it's interesting. We're always better at giving advice than actually <laughs> <laughs> acting on it ourselves. So there are two questions. How do I help others and how do I uh, help myself? So the harder one is for myself and really in my coaching, oftentimes I, I get clients that are, they say I'm stuck, right? And I, I love that because usually there's just some unpacking that we need to do. Uh, and once that, once you've unpacked, once you peel back the layers, usually there's emotion, there's pressure. And once you release that, then it totally opens up the possibility. So about choice, what I found is myself and others were inundated with choice. And sometimes that can be overwhelming, right? Again, I go back to our parents probably didn't have as many choices or options, and it's sometimes easier. So when you have choices, you're often faced with this inroads of, well, do I go one path? Do I go another? 
And sometimes that leads to paralysis. So what I've learned is one, if you change the perspective and put a little bit of playfulness, I use the concept of experiments, right? So that's why I think about, and I love the name life under innovation. There's so much power in, in how companies innovate, but like, how do we think about that for our lives? So if you have a big choice, let's just say, do you take a job or do you, do you relocate your family to a new location? You just need to take one step, one step in, in the right direction. Well, I won't say the right direction, one step. And that step typically will guide your path. So if you are considering a job, you know, obviously you can go through your interviews, you can talk to uh, different people. But if you say yes to that job, you can always course correct. So we often feel in the same for a move or same for most decisions, you typically can course correct. So thinking about it as if I experiment and I go into this new job, how can I make it playful? How can I learn? And how can I use it as a data point to inform whether or not this is, you know, or not the right decision? So I try and take a little bit of the pressure off for myself and I'm facing some of these decisions right now, you know, in a move or, you know, should we buy another house? You know, my kids are growing, we live in DC and, you know, what does it look like in a COVID world? So that's how I kind of approach choice is one, let, let's lay out all the options. And then actually let's think about which ones fit into your, your life and where you are versus which ones are externally focused and, you know, focused on the just money and title, but it actually is not going to move the needle on fulfillment. And then how can we create an experiment that maybe feels a little bit less risky so that you can get a data point? Um, and it, it feels easier to go from point A to B and then B to C versus A to C. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the things I like about taking small actions because a lot of time people think that they, they need to get a lot of clarity around what to choose. And like you said, I mean, that could get them stuck because they, they have to figure out things. And the only way sometimes to figure something out is to take a small action, take a small step forward or an experiment and see what happens. What became clear to you based on the action? So it doesn't have to be something big. It could be just something that moves you a small step forward. So when you when you look at these different choices, how does value, like you talk already about values, fulfillment, and these things that, that are more innate, more internal uh, rather and external. What other values are important to you that connect to those uh, options or experiments that you want to uh, design or move forward with? My own personal values? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's funny because I just did this exercise. It's a bit of a values exercise. And my number one value, and this has pretty much been enduring for the past 10, 10 years, is freedom. Mm. Uh, and so my husband always jokes and says, you, yeah, you don't want to be put in a box. And I'm like, absolutely not. So but the concept of freedom for me is the freedom to make decisions and live in a way that allows me to be fulfilled. Mm. Um, so right now, my, my top values are freedom, inner peace, connection and community, and then leadership. And so for me, and, and I distilled that down from 15 to 20 values, but a lot of those encompass multiple things like inner peace for me is my spirituality, but it's also just the mentality that like the combination of spirituality, mentality, emotional state and well-being. Connection and community is one that has really jumped out for me in this COVID world where in some ways I, I feel like we're more contained than ever, but yet we are, maybe we're, we're aware of the need for connection. So I've connected with so many people 
in a way and a frequency that I, you know, I haven't ever before. So right now, those are those are my core values. Yeah, and that's one thing. Like you mentioned earlier, this、uh, class, quote unquote, touchy feely, which a lot of times I think even up to this day, you know, there's a lot of struggle around soft skills, right? And really, some of these skills or questions around values, if these were questions that we were maybe asked or explored earlier, we may have found might have taken us on a different path. Different set of values can lead us to different choices and different actions. Maybe we didn't know that at the time, or maybe it wasn't clear at the time. Do you think that the sooner we know what our values are, the sooner we can make choices that we feel more? Connected to, or how do you, you know, how do you feel about that?、Mm -hmm. So this is why I'm, I'm a big proponent of coaching in general, is because actually your coach can help distill the values. In my in my training program, one of the the tools that I learned that I thought was just amazing is if you ask someone what their values are, oftentimes people. They may or may not be able to articulate it, but if you ask them to tell a story, so tell me three different stories. You know, if you were if you were at the end of life, what would you have wished to have contributed to the world, or how, you know? And if you if you ask a couple stories, your coach or another person can listen and distill you know those values. So in terms like how do you get to them, I think there are some creative ways. The importance of the values to me is it becomes a roadmap for. Decision making, and and this is with this exercise that I just did recently is what are your core values? They sit within the center, and then outside of that is as you move, your values are your why, and as you move kind of outside these two layers of circles, you get to your how. Okay, so if you find yourself in the middle, maybe actually maybe if you know what you want to do, so I would like to lose weight and be healthier. Okay. Well, why do you want to do that? Is it vanity, or is it because you want to make sure that you are the healthiest parent for your child? Okay, so whenever you then make decisions about how you get there, if you're going to wake up at 5 a.m. and do a 20-minute workout, those mornings when you don't want to get up, you go back to your why. Why am I doing? Which is your value? My 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 value is health and wellness. I want to be here for my kids, and so that's how I've been using it as a way to challenge myself beyond just all right. I want you know I want to lose weight. I I'm on this personal journey of trying to I always say like levitate from meditation, <laughs> but what it means for me is like I have this aspirational goal of what it what it looks like to be you know a strong meditator. But really, it's just a day to day reset of my mind. Um, and so those mornings when I just want to lay there and I don't want to get up and and or I'm moving so fast and I forget to meditate, I go back to my why. Well, why for me is inner peace. Right, that's one of the ways that I get inner peace. So I think it can be a significant roadmap for not only the decisions you make from a large scale perspective about your life, but those day to day habits that you have to build the muscle around in order to. Design that that big vision for your life, and it's it's usually that's whether at the individual level or team level or at the organization level, it's constantly reinforce what we care about, how to take action or be more clear around actions. Because in some instances, there may be a mismatch in what we value and what we do. And if there's a mismatch, that that feeling or the the sense of fulfillment is impacted.、Mm -hmm. Well, I'll I'll just say this. I actually think that is the the source of、um, the greatest source of misery in the world, right? Everyone's like, I just want to be happy. It it really comes down to a misalignment of values.、Mm -hmm. And so, 
if you are clear on what your values are, but your actions look very different, then that's when you have the greatest disconnect and personal kind of turmoil. And you see a lot of unhappy people where you look at them from the outside and you're like, well, you have everything. <laughs> you have everything, but there's a misalignment of values, right? So it, it's simple to say, but I think it's so important and it's really a powerful tool if you put it to work. It is definitely something that I've noticed with, with people who are trying to figure out now what, uh, you know, during this time, especially especially of COVID and the pandemic, there's many people I know have taken a step back to reflect on what's really important, what matters, and values have been coming up more and more. What do I value most? Um, yeah. And how is that aligned with what I'm doing right now? Yeah, I'll just say, I see it all the time. When I think about COVID, unfortunately, I think people's experience will follow two paths. Either you're going to come out far better off than you were before or far worse off. And in some ways, we might not be able to control where, right? From a financial perspective, I feel like a lot of people will be worse off. We also have to think about holistic, like physically, emotionally, like mentally, spiritually, all these things combined. How can we use COVID? And I've seen people lean into it. Like I've seen people so much healthier, so much more connected with their kids. And I've also seen people that are like, oh, they're, they're lonely, right? There There's some mean, means of depression or they're eating unhealthy. And so this is actually uncovering what I'll say and maybe even like shifting us back to who we are, reminding us who we are. I'm seeing people that live in New York and San Francisco and, you know, Chicago and D.C. move to, you know, Washington State or move back near parents and family. And so it's going to be interesting to see. I don't know if there's going to be a post-COVID world. Maybe this is the new normal, but it is going to actually bring our values and it is bringing our values back into the forefront. If your children are the most important thing, then they're in the meeting with you, right? Yeah. <laughs> they're on the conference call with you and we learn to integrate life. If your family is really important, important in connection, do you move closer to them? Like the lore of the big city is no longer because we're all sheltered. Well, hopefully most of us are sheltered in place. So yeah, COVID is just going to be um, a way to even reinforce thinking about what your values are and maybe even giving opportunities for you to lean, lean into them. Yeah. And as you mentioned, you know, coaching in some ways can help figuring this out, like finding out what do you value most? You know, as you said, it's hard, it's hard to just ask people, you know, or to ask someone, what's your goal or what's your mission or what's your purpose or what are your values without really finding different ways to articulate that. Because if you spend like the last 10 years, 20 years, not really thinking about the values, then it's hard to articulate them without stories. And that's usually listening for values is one of the things that coach can, can help or do, or at least point out some of the things that are important to them based on the stories that they tell. Yeah, it's interesting. I hate the question, what is your purpose? Yeah. I think a lot of people do, right? Because there's some people that knew their purpose from, you know, from birth. And then there are others that are like, I have I have no idea. And it's the most frustrating thing when you have no concept of, of how to think about it or what it is. So yeah, so I think I think coaching can definitely be a tool to unpack some of the things, the wording that in the language that we use that we throw out now, like, what are your values? What's your purpose? Um, how, you know, how, how do you want to be more fulfilled? Or um, mm -hmm. what does happiness look like? We're like, I don't know. I'm just not happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it takes it takes a lot of questions, but also listening to what they care about. 
Uh, And like, you know, some exercises like the one that you just uh, mentioned, build around values. And then from there, they can figure out what's what to do next. And sometimes they're not really clear unless they actually take an action and figure it out. Yeah. Um, And so how has that been significant in your world as far, not just as at the individual level, but as part of your work currently at uh, BetterUp? Mm -hmm. How have my values been important? Mm -hmm. So I would say my values are inherent in how I lead and how I show up. And so for instance, and I'll give a couple of examples. One, I, in, in corporate America, it's funny that there's so much research around Um, the importance of emotional intelligence, and as you mentioned before, softer skills. And now that those conversations are taking place, it sounds very nice to be like, oh, you know, I have higher emotional intelligence. But the reality is at the core of what leaders are evaluated on, those skills are, they're often not on performance (laughs) reviews. Mm -hmm. um, And they're not set in your goals. And they're also, they're not taught, right? People aren't taught how to connect to people, how to lead. So I think there's still a huge opportunity in that. So for me, um, part of the reason I joined Better Up was because I wanted to bring the two worlds together. I felt like for me, coaching had been one path and then I'd worked in corporate. I wanted to bring those two together. And so now I get the opportunity to work for an organization that focus, does research, right? At, at our core, it's just about understanding empathy, result. We have a huge resilience campaign and how important that is to the success of employees and ultimately the productivity and bottom line for companies. And so right now in this COVID world, people are now understanding the importance of resilience. But for me, leadership is at its core. So I think about for every individual that I come in contact with, how can I not only help move them forward and support them in their professional career and you know, obviously the tactical of, of delivering work and being productive, but like you as an individual, who are you? What can I learn and how can I help support and support you on that journey of growth and development? So it's inherent in how I lead. The coaching, leading the coaching organization is an actual, it's just a gift. Meaning that when I came in, I said, these are my people, right? (laughs) Coaches are just a different type of community in terms of support and the the way we think about connecting with one another, often hyper-focused on personal development and growth and very giving um, and selfless, practicing kind of servant leadership. So all of that really connects to to my values. I'll I'll give you one specific example of of how value showed up and how I um, led recently is coming out of the George Floyd Um, murder and the series of uh, racial injustices that bubbled up, you know, in the past couple months. The week before all of um, that happened, I was on PTO. I was on vacation and I just needed to recharge. And I checked out, was feeling good. And then the George Floyd case happened. There was all this kind of social media attention around it. Um, And, you know, I, I was getting text messages from people that I'd never you know, in a way that I'd never gotten them before. And so by the time um, it was time for me to go back to work, I was exhausted again. I was mentally exhausted because as a black woman, um, things had just been brought back up to the surface and just in terms of like how I think about my family and my husband and, and, and my son. And I remember going back Monday morning thinking, I can barely get through the day for myself and now I have to show up and lead. And I also knew that we needed to get a message out to our coach community um, 
And I'm like, oh, now I have to show up for our coaches and I have to write a message. But for me, it was almost poetic. And yes, it was exhausting, but I knew that I was in that position at that moment. Um, and only I could bring true voice um, to the experience and really support our, our community and our company. And so that week, I just leaned in as much as I could to help craft our company message and our, our message to our uh, coaches and show up in a way where I supported my team. But I transparently, I said, hey, I might show up very differently today or this week than I have before. And I just need you guys to know that I'm personally struggling. So um, for me, I, I'm trying to bring myself self more fully into all of my worlds instead of compartmentalizing this is how I am at home this is how I am at work and with friends it's like no I'm pretty unapologetic at this stage <laughs> part of it may be age part of it may just be experience and and just learning but values are at my core and I am actively seeking to get in greater alignment with those values at all times yeah yeah that's a that's a great example of leadership like a, a lot of time as you said like we divide ourselves into different worlds so maybe professional personal you know depending on where we are we show up differently but you know kind of bringing our whole self into the world can be very significant and uh, definitely the the events that are unfolding with the pandemic and, and racial equality and and all the things that are happening have brought us more awareness to question what is our values and how do we align our actions with our values uh, so it's a it's a constant, journey and and uh, and I think it starts with self-awareness without awareness it's going to be very difficult to uh, find out what is it that we value and then align our actions with those values mm -hmm. the alignment is the hardest part mm -hmm. it, it's 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 almost like what there's a saying where like once you're aware like you have to take action but there are many things you can no longer plead ignorance like once you now mm -hmm. know your values uh, it's like now I actually have to to operate it's like do do I, how do I change? Like everything I've known about my life and myself may actually not support or align with my values. Now I actually have to change. And what does that look like? And I think that's the hardest part. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's really the next piece of once we know what we value and are we willing to take action mm -hmm. to align, um, you know, to align with our values or to at least honor our values more and continue to do that. So that speaks to the commitment or the willingness uh, or maybe readiness of the person uh, or even a, a, a team or an organization or even a society. Like uh, what's the what's the next step now? Now that we've been opened up <laughs> with all these things that are happening, what do we want to do about it, right? So that's the, you know, a leadership dilemma. Yeah, I mean, we we could talk for hours about this. I The other thing that I think is bubbling up is this focus on just general mental health. And I think at least in, in American society, there's not a comfort, I'm sure in many other cultures, there's not a, like we, we tiptoe around mental health um, or we think about it as like this, these extreme cases, but we don't lean into the emotions, right? Mm. So I've heard a couple of people and even Michelle Obama recently shared that she's feeling like, you know, low grade depression. And I think that's the case for, for many people. I myself have an aversion to this concept of therapy. <laughs> <laughs> of like like standing in my feelings but one of the things i know to be true is is if i don't have my monthly cry about something um it's kind of i become you know very tense and 
And, you know, my husband jokes, he's like, oh, you haven't had your monthly cry. But really what it speaks to is we really need to stand and linger in the emotion. It's like when you're going through um, grief, it's not a, a one and done. Like it's not a, oh, I'm, I'm just going to grieve for a week and then I'll be better again. And we don't really have the tolerance as a culture to allow ourselves to, to stand in that, partly because we're always moving so fast. So mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, one piece. But, you know, one of the things I just want to impart as we think about closing and closing it, I just want to impart to the listeners is, one, if you're listening, you're probably in a place of privilege, meaning your basic needs are met, right? Most of us, most of us are. And if not, you know, I still encourage people to think about this, but right now it's imperative that you consider what the significance of your life is or is going to be. Mm. And I say that because I find that people focus on their legacy. So it's like, oh, when I'm gone, you know, what are people going to remember me by? And I I find that very odd. Um, I want to shift the focus to what is your life contribution going to be today in this moment, right? Like not some far out moment. And that can be whether you're talking to your neighbor or calling your, your mother or your grandmother, whatever it looks like. But to me, to be in alignment with who you are, what your values are, and how you are going to contribute all of your presence to the world is a day-to-day action. It isn't always a grand gesture or you know, being the most popular person. Um, to, to be honest, at some point, the most well-known people will be forgotten when they're gone, <laughs> right? Generations and generations will pass and those people will be forgotten too. So try not to make it to be this, this moment of like when you're gone. It's like, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do in this moment that leads you to greater alignment, greater happiness, and just in general simplification. But I just want to challenge everybody to really think about like what is going to be the significance of your life today. Yeah, that's uh, that's a great you know reminder for for people who, uh, especially right now, everyone is thinking about what's going to happen next. But it's even more important to um, to reflect and and think about what are you going to do about it right now. And will it align with your with your values and help you learn more about yourself? So you know this idea of emotions and feelings have been you know I've had multiple guests that we've talked about the, this idea because we're not used to that. And part of like you said, mental health is to is to acknowledge those feelings, not just to run away from you know what we're feeling because that builds up and it creates suffering. So any, anything else that you want to leave us with, maybe books that you recommend to uh, learn more about our values? Yeah. Um, I don't know that I found a good book on values. It's like, huh, maybe I should write one. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other thing is, is I'm just on a slight tangent as I'm thinking about I'm asking myself that very question. Um, there are some bigger, scarier goals that I want to put out there, and writing a book is, is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and recently, people have come into my life who are writing books and are closer to the process, and so I'm kind of like, Ugh. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but really, for me, the way that I've been able to focus on daily personal development is podcasts. Because I am so busy, I have young kids, um, my work is pretty intense. 
those are small doses. And I typically can't, it takes me a couple months to read a book just because one, I'm reading two books at the same time. And then I'm like listening to 30 minutes of an audiobook on a walk outside. But there, there's one in particular, and, and I'll give an example of a topic that I think is a little bit tie, a little bit relevant. It's called the the next big idea, um, and I found it to be really, really good and fascinating. There was one big takeaway from a recent episode where they talked, they did research about people who had achieved a significant amount of success, but also had high fulfillment, and what were the connections between those individuals. And the one takeaway or the one finding was that every one of those individuals focused on short-term planning over long-term planning, which I thought was interesting. And the reason it, it spoke to me so much is because I am a planner, right? If I could plan out the next 20 years, like day by day, that would make me very good, <laughs> very happy. But it also causes a, a fair amount of anxiety because there's no way you can plan what your life will look like in five years, let alone three months sometimes, right? COVID is an indication of that. So what it reminded me of is, again, going back to, we talk about like understanding your values, getting alignment, experimenting, but taking a short step, like a small step, focusing only on short-term planning. You don't have to plan the rest of your life out. Um, and in this podcast, they, they interviewed a couple people and their attitudes were like, Hey, this opportunity came my way. I knew, um, what my strengths were and what I wanted to focus on. And I never thought about doing X, but I decided to take a step and it, it's turned out to be quite fascinating. Like, whether whether I will do this forever, I don't know. But for now, this is serving its purpose. So that thinking has allowed, has freed me up a little bit of my uh, desire for like everything to be planned out. But again, going back to take one step, experiment, focus on short-term planning and know kind of who you are and what you want to bring to the table. And all of those combined can really be a powerful way um, to actually lead you to greater fulfillment, success, happiness, all those things. That's a great way to wrap it up. You made me think of the next portion, Maybe this will be part two of our podcast. I would love to have you again that once we start to align with our values, know our values, align with them, try to think about taking actions, we stir up some inner critics or saboteurs. And that could be our, our next conversation is how to manage those <laughs> manage those uh, saboteurs or critics. Tanisha, I, uh, it's been a pleasure having you. And uh, thank you again for your time and insights. I uh, really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Loved our conversation. Excited to be able to, to contribute and just share my story and look forward to more conversations. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you very much. Hey, thank you for listening. I hope this conversation gave you something to think about or take action on. Remember, take action and get clarity. Then repeat.